This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. C is for chunk. Brought to you by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome in. Happy Tuesday. This is the happy hour. 93.7 The Ticket. Theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez. Clary with you. What's up, Rico? Hello. How's it going? It's going great. Anything exciting happening in your life? No. Okay. Not pretty boring. You've been able to play 2K recently? Uh... Very little, but okay. kind of, yeah, for the moment. I, I knew that was a big thing that you wanted before Scott but, Frost got fired, and then... Yeah, thanks a lot, Scott. Scott Frost got fired, and you didn't get to play a whole no. lot, so... Busy with work. That is true. Thanks, Scott. And then Eric Schnander got the can as well. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Uh, as always, 402-464-5685, the Honda Vigan Hotline, the Sardar Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire show today. Um, as well as the Sarder Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you uh, incorporate yourself into the show that way as well. Got plenty of stuff to get to. Some really fascinating Mickey Joseph bites today. Um, I, I know probably you and Bach played some in the during the water cooler. Just a few. Um, but there's some fascinating ones that Mickey Joseph said. Uh, obviously, some breaking news. A.J. Allen is out for the year. Sad. He uh, had surgery yesterday on an undisclosed injury, so... Nebraska will have to go forward without A.J. Allen. Um, and if you look at this running back room, maybe you see Anthony Grant that's been able to ha- carry the rock for over 100 yards in all but one of your games, so three of your four games. You see then the guys behind him. A.J. Allen was kind of that one-two punch that Nebraska was looking for, and now he's gone. So you have to figure out a way to either, whether it's Jacques Yant, whether it's Gabe Irvin. Mickey did um, say Gabe Irvin. He did say Gabe Irvin. By name, so, the only one he mentioned by name. That is true. So we'll see kind of where Nebraska goes. Um, but the good news is they have a bye week. And this week, this, this bye week came at a great time as Mickey Joseph absolutely, absolutely said that it, it came at a great time because of, you know, how uh, Nebraska's just, they're, they're beaten down. They're, he, he mentioned multiple times that the guys are, are 20-year-old kids who are emotional right now after getting a change in coaching staff. They have lost a lot of games, uh, not just this year, but in recent years as well. And it's just one of those things where uh, bye week came at a good time, kind of take a step back, re- regroup, and and kind of recalibrate, get everybody on the same page. Send some coaches on the road, maybe meet with some of the some of the and commits or some recruits that you're trying to get to commit. There's so. some there's comfort, I think, maybe not comfort, um, but there's an interesting amount of curiosity and maybe comfort surrounding that Nebraska can win a couple games coming out of the bye week. They've struggled here, obviously. I don't, I don't need to be the one to tell you guys that. They've struggled here these last couple weeks, not only with coaches, but also with uh, just winning football games, right? And, and that's the main driver in, in college athletics. But they've struggled. 
and we'll see if they're able to kind of regroup, have a different look to them, have a different feel around the program. Uh, Mickey Joseph, when asked, you know, what have you learned in your first week as kind of the the head coach here, um, he's learning a lot, uh, and he mentioned that he's some of the some of the mistakes that maybe he made in the Oklahoma game were because of his lack of head coaching experience, and I think that's very admirable. As I, do you have a clip to play? I do. Okay. Some things you've learned so far as the interim head coach. There you go. No, that that is a, is is things I need to fix. Is things I need to focus on, and I can't I can't assume anything. That every everything from A to Z, I got to make sure that I, I I you know cross every T, dot every I. I learned a lot from that first game, but it was a quick turnaround for me. But it's no excuse. I got to handle that better than I. Like I said before, I walked up to that mic and I said, "It's on me. It's not on my kids. It's not on my coaches. That was on me." I will say this. I think it's very refreshing to hear Mickey Joseph right now. Extremely refreshing to hear Mickey Joseph speak right now. Nebraska was in a situation prior to the coaching changes where we heard the same voice over and over. And it's okay to hear the same voice over and over and over again if the words carry weight, the words carry truth, and you're winning football games. And now we can sit back here and argue that Maybe one of those three things were happening, and I think it was probably the middle one where it was Scott Frost was telling us the truth, just maybe not to the extent of what Mickey Joseph is. I think there's a, you're interested here, Rico, in some of the questions that the media asks Mickey Joseph compared to Scott Frost. And I was just telling Nathan this back when you guys were doing your show. You can notice there's been a lot of stuff on Twitter about how the media is asking a lot of hard questions to Mickey Joseph and how a lot more uh, detail-specific questions are getting asked to Mickey Joseph. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it in a bad way, but I I would honestly say it in the opposite way, in in, in meaning that Mickey Joseph will answer a details-oriented question with a details-specific answer. Yeah, he's, when you would he's ask, not shining away. When you would ask Scott not Frost, not shying those, away. Excuse me. When you would ask Scott Frost those questions, he either didn't answer the question, or would give you some type of vague, you know, answer veiled in secrecy. Whereas Mickey Joseph is is being truthful and he's he's giving you everything that he can, uh, to a, to a certain extent, and not trying to hide behind anything. The questions are different. The questions being asked to Mickey Joseph are different from the questions that were asked to the previous head coach. But in a way, the way that Mickey Joseph answers them is, as you said, it's refreshing. It's it's good to hear, and it's good to hear hear details. It it feels as if he's not trying to hide anything. Mm. Transparency. And like, even like even the stuff that he is, I mean, he even mentioned it. He said, "I don't want to give." When, when asked about the defensive situation and what Bill Bush yeah. is, is planning on doing, he said, "You know, I'll, I'll, he's going to do this because I trust him and, and what he wants to do." But I don't want to give too much away because this is a new defensive unit. Yeah, which like, makes sense. There, there are there are reasons. That, like I, we always say, the the cliche phrase of "method to the madness," right? And there there is literally. Um, reasons on and Mickey Joseph is backing it up with his answers on why he's operating a specific way now before before we get the texters and the tweeters coming at us saying well you guys don't deserve to know and all that and we don't we don't it's not like we deserve to know all the little intricacies about the program but it makes it more enjoyable to discuss on a daily basis number one it makes it easier 
to talk about all the good things that are happening, all the good changes Mm -hmm. that are happening within the program when we find out little details. And that's what we're doing. And it's not just us finding it out. It's you guys listening on Twitter and, and listening to the clips that we play. Learning more, just educating yourself more about like the fan base, about the program and how they're operating on a day-to-day basis, which is, we went four and a half years with not really learning a whole lot, I right? Mean, he gave us the, like, it's very short, but this is, this is what they're going to do during the bye week. We'll go tomorrow. We'll lift Thursday. They'll be off Friday, Saturday, be back in on Sunday. There we go. That's all we need to know. And now, once again, this is not a knock on Scott Frost because, as as you, if you've been paying attention to Nebraska media and just kind of press conferences in the last you know twenty years or so, you have the or I guess it'd be like fifteen. Bo Pelini was short with the media and kind of got straight to the point. Mike Riley was at times a little more flamboyant, long winded, wanted to give you too much information. He gave you everything. That's that was Mike Riley, but in an, an old man tone, where it, like, which is once again, that's just like basically what I'm trying to get to. It's like when you is ask that your coaches grandpa. coaches have different ways of handling the media. Yeah, and and it goes back to this entire thing of right after Scott Frost got fired, one of the things I said, um, and I, I think a couple of us said on the station was. Scott Frost, nobody to this day is questioning his football IQ or his knowledge of the game. It was the way he presented himself to the media, the things he said in those press conferences. And to be honest, Rico, that is your shot when you are a six. You are a football coach that has a fifteen and twenty nine record going into the season, or whatever the record was, sixteen and thirty one at the time of of he get him getting fired. Those press conferences, other than Saturdays are your chance to prove to the fan base and to the people that speak about your program on a daily basis, mm-hmm. prove to them that you know what you're doing and you got this thing going in the right direction, right? And and that's where um, sometimes we would sit back here after press conferences and go, I mean, what are we supposed to take away from this? It's the same thing we heard last week. Prove to us, show us, tell us that you're moving in a different direction and or at least you're moving and not just stuck in the mud. <laughs> And that was what that was what's frustrating at times. Um, so 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire show today. Um, there's a couple long texts on here, and I don't want to just start reading them until um, I, until I, I read them, you know, first and proofread them to make sure. You guys aren't aren't being facetious, but <laughs> I can reach you, Doba guys. Okay, go he's, ahead. He's, he's he's kind of upset at the AJ Allen injury. He said AJ getting hurt is a perfect example as to why we suck at developing players, which I don't understand. Uh, we have all these running backs we gathered over the years, and yet they want to play the new shiny toy who ends up getting hurt. This is the Big Ten. Freshman running backs should very rarely see the field on Saturdays, and I know it's a crazy thought, but Ramir Johnson and company will never get any better if they don't play in games. Now, I disagree with. All of everything until the last sentence. They won't get any better unless they get to get to playing games. But AJ Allen getting hurt is not the the perfect example as to why they suck at developing players. AJ Allen came in ready to play. Look, if you're at a skill position like running back or wide receiver, a freshman is more ready to make an impact at this level than at an offensive line or a defensive line spot. If you have the moves, if you have the skills, you can see the field. And A.J. Allen definitely had the skills, as you saw in the, those games that he was – he was the, the numbers he was putting up in the games that he was playing. He had the skills. He was better than the other running backs. That's all there is to it. There isn't, there isn't some, some 
underlying message here about you know the development of players can only start if they sit their freshman year. There's not there's none of that. Just because you don't sit your freshman year doesn't mean you're not going to get developed. You could get developed as, as you said, Ramirez and them won't get better unless they see the field. AJ Allen was getting better because he was on the field. It's just a thing. He was better than the running backs. He saw the field. Well, I think there is some truth to maybe both sides of that. Um, there's just also freak. Athletes, yeah. Waterboy says, right? Braylon yeah, Allen freak, was seventeen. Yeah, freak athletes, or athletes, right? Braylon Allen's the first one that comes to your mind because he kind of ran Travion all Henderson over. Started as a freshman. You're right at Ohio. Um, at Ohio State, I granted he was a five star coming out yeah. of Virginia, but still a number freshman number starting back in at the country. Ohio State. That's where those those freak athletes, I think, come in, Rico. Now, Mickey Joseph did say something along the lines today of of looking back on this game. Tempo has been a big discussion point with Mickey uh, this last week or so after Oklahoma. And something that was interesting that Mickey Joseph said is, looking back on the game, what was a couple things that he would have done differently? And he said, get the younger players in the game sooner. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was interesting, because a lot of the times, when you get younger guys into the game, it will show a... It'll portray some, like, not I don't want to say quit, but just kind of folding, waving the white flag, saying, listen, we understand you're going to beat us today, but it's time just to get the reserves in preserved from injury. He mentioned, get the younger guys in sooner so that they could have film and see how they do against real competition. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think developing, right? And that's where your point comes in Rico, getting the guys on the field and getting them game rep reps. Because as we know, Nebraska's practices may not have been the most, physically demanding as we may have believed under previous staffs. Mm-hmm. Now, I think they are. I, I saw, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I, walking out of the press conference and walking out of Memorial Stadium today, I saw a couple of Nebraska starting defenders limping. Not, not, not like injured limping, but sore limping. So, like, I, I don't know if that means physically demanding practice or out of shape, but I would honestly go from everything and how we know Mickey Joseph operates – I think practices have gotten a lot more physically demanding over this last week and a half. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I don't. Because that is what we were told was going on. And if you think about this, we were being told everything that we thought was going on in behind the scenes. So we believed it. And then we were sitting here going, why isn't it working? There's a disconnect here. What is going on? And now come to find out, Mickey Joseph is learning. And I will say this, Rico. It's unfair, in my opinion. It's too bad. Like I'm, I'm, I'm glad Mickey Joseph's getting this opportunity because I, I we know how he's going to take it by the horns and run with it, right? Mm-hmm. And and do everything in his power to to turn this thing around. It's it's too bad that he's dealt it this way and in the yeah. shape that the program is in. Yeah, you you wish that Mickey Joseph got a got a shot at being a head coach at his alma mater in a better situation. I mean, I don't know how how much better of a situation you can take over a job, usually if you're taking mm-hmm. over. Either the person is leaving because they're leaving it in a great situation because they're going Moving on to bigger and better things, or the person got fired because it's not a good situation. But like, think so about- it's really hard to, to, to come into a good situation like this. But yeah. currently, the way that Nebraska is set up, this is possibly the worst situation to come and- into as a, as a not first time because he's been a head coach before, but a first-time head coach at a power five I would level. say at, at this level or anything close to this level. 
Now, this is not us pitying Mickey Joseph, right? Because he's not going to sit here and... and no, he's a one, competitor. He's not going to allow us to pity him, no. right? But And he's also not going to try to get people to feel bad for him. But, like, it's... it's I, I sat back the last couple of days thinking about Nebraska's coaching search, the future, having conversations, obviously, with Rico every day and, and all the guys around here. I sit back and I, sit, I, I think to myself, in Nebraska's next head coach... How bad, what kind of coach fits what Nebraska needs right now as a program? Mm -hmm. And it's hard, like, it's too bad that it's in the position that it's in right now because I think how fragile and how much they've lost, you need a proven guy. And if Mickey doesn't get this turned around this season... I mean that's What's, that's virtually impossible. I, exactly, and so that's where I feel I feel I, I my 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 soul hurts for Mickey because I it's not that I don't think he can do it, but it's you're you're if you're Trev Alberts here, does this make sense, Rico? Like it, is this, it, no, it does. Like but I, I, just I want Mickey he, Joseph. Yeah, but my thing is if he can get things moving in the right direction, maybe he doesn't win. You know, six games with this remaining schedule. I mean, the the, the last four games are going to be a beast. They for, are for anybody for Scott Frost if he stayed for Mickey Joseph now taking over exactly it'd be a beast for anybody. So those last four games are going to be virtually impossible. Granted, you know they're they're all competitors. They're going to they're not going to go in there and say, oh, we're not going to win. They're going to believe that they can win. And I more props to them. I I hope that they can win those games. But to base to base his chances at getting the head coaching job off of wins and losses with the with the hand he's been dealt is. Is pretty much saying you're he's not going to be the head coach. That that's pretty much if if you're going to base it off of he needs to win X amount of games, you are pretty much saying I don't he think, is uh, not going to be the head coach. I'm not sure you're basing it off of wins and losses necessarily. I think you're basing it off of performance, though. I think it's okay to base and if they per, if they perform well, but they don't they don't win games. If they perform well and they they still lose however many games, let's say they mm-hmm. win four more games this season, they're sitting at five wins for the season. And they performed well in every other game. Does that give him a, 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 a good chance to be the next head coach at Nebraska, or is it still not enough to compete with the likes of well, of if he wants the job and Urban Meyer or or anybody else? Yeah, that, enter that is, enter that coach is, name. Yeah, enter yeah. coach name. Well, and so that's where I, I think my whole point to this discussion is: I'm thankful I'm not Trev Alberts because yeah. that that's a that's a very um, slippery slope. To have to deal with because of Mickey Joseph, like he he could because with the way that we hear players talk about him and coaches yep. talk about him, he could get the entire buy-in of of the roster, the entire buy-in of the coaching staff, recruiting, and the recruits could love him. It brings in a, a good recruiting class for being an interim yep. head coach. Do you look at all of that and look at you know maybe some more relationships that he's building with with recruits later on down the line, maybe at twenty twenty four? Because like he said, they're recruiting; they're going to continue mm. to recruit like they are going to be here, they're which not, they should. They're I mean, not. That's, they're yeah. not going to throw it away and just be like, "Well, we're only here for a season, so mm-hmm. let's maybe recruit for now." No, they're they're recruiting. However many years down the line that you can recruit, I don't know the NCAA rule about that, but they're recruiting whoever they're going to recruit like they're going to be here next year and for the years following. So if they can build a a, a reputation, uh, a relationship with with some recruits and and maybe you're sitting in the living rooms of some some high profile people, that should be another, you know, notch on Mickey's belt to become the next head coach at Nebraska. And I know people want, you know, you you can't mess up this hire. You have to get this right this time. Nebraska's messed up so many hires before. If they don't get this right, the football program is doomed. Mm-hmm. The football program will be fine. It will, if they mess up this hire, it won't look great. But 
you'll be fine. You're still going to have football. You're still going to play football. You're still going to get money from the TV, from the Big Ten, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You're going to be just fine. You're just going to have to find an- another coach later on down the line if it doesn't work out. But if if and look, I'm I'm not. I know whoever might text in. Oh, you're all in on Mickey Joseph. I think Mickey Joseph is a great coach, a great recruiter, a great receiver. Whatever you want him to, you know, coach, whatever, I think he'd be great at it. I think there are other coaches out there that could also be great head coaches mm-hmm. in Nebraska. But I think given the situation that he's in, it it sucks. And I think he should be given yeah. more leeway to have a shot at becoming the head coach. Well, I think, Rico, this is his shot, Right. This is if if they would have fired Scott Frost and after week seven or after the buyout, mm-hmm. then you could you could have that argument. I think, um, but I, I truly believe that this is. I don't want to say a substantial shot. I just think it's a crappy place where crappy hand that he's being dealt with. Yeah. Because of the position that the program is in, the program as a whole, when you stack up years and years and years of losing. That's where it's at, I think, because um, this this from a program standpoint, this goes back farther than Scott Frost in terms of losing games mm-hmm. and not competing for for division championships. A um, couple things I want to get to before we get to break, uh, Mickey, or excuse me, somebody said on the te- on the starter Heyman Jewelers video stream, shouldn't it be win or move on, no matter the deck dealt to you? Um, why do we want to have done for five years close but no cigar? We want winners, darn it! And that's my kind of point is. How long are you willing to wait again? Mm-hmm. Because you've went down the 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 road of hot shot assistant turned very young head coach, and into a into a making him your permanent coach. It didn't work. You went the old route or the, the experienced route. Maybe that's the better way to say experience. it. Experience route, and how and that did not work. And so that's where it's like you are. If you're Trev Alberts, you're in a very sticky situation and a very delicate situation. Because you have a fan base that's starving to win, is as loyal as they come, and now the fan base, as I said on Monday morning, the fan base is getting tested more than it's ever been tested before. And they're still showing up. But it's just, it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, it's kind of it's kind of wild. Um, both time, or excuse me, unnamed texter on the text line says, you two need a nap. <laughs> the disconnect in coaching expectations from last week to this week is pretty funny. Last week, you guys said Mickey had this ship turned around enough to beat Oklahoma. This week, it's virtually virtually impossible to turn it around this year. I don't think we said that he Time had out. the ship turned around enough to beat Oklahoma. I think, we said the feeling around the program and felt I th- like they could. I also believe that we are learning more and more about where this program stands each day that Mickey Joseph is the interim head coach. Or, a better way to say that, we are learning more and more about where this program is at now that Scott Frost is not the head coach. That's where I, I, I'll i leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, Tyler said this, we already lost our highest rated recruit and Mickey is still here. Obviously speaking about Cameron Lenhart. And I think that that would speak more about... Ooh, that, that's an interesting situation. Cameron Lenhart did say his recruitment is 100% open. So it there is. is a chance that he could come back to Nebraska, but his, main recruiter, well. his main recruiter was Eric Chenander. It was Eric Chenander. And I would also throw, I'll, I'll throw this name out there, Rico. With, I mean, I'll, throw this, I'll throw this name out there, Rico. Ashley Williams Jr. is a guy that decommitted from Nebraska and went to Auburn. And we know that this staff was high on him but unfortunately, he chose to decommit. Mm-hmm. So maybe they go after him one more time here. 
They they have Maverick Noonan in the class, but maybe they go after a guy like Ashley Williams one more time. He's from Louisiana. Mickey said he was going to be in Louisiana doing some recruiting work. So. Granted, there's a lot of recruits in Louisiana, so that really doesn't mean anything, but you so. never know. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Um, Mr. Unlimited's asked how many tickets are left for Indiana, or do we have any news on that? No I have idea. not heard. None I know it's heard. not a sellout. Not yet, because nobody said anything. Yeah. So, all right. When we come back, we'll uh, dive in. We'll, we'll finish up this conver- conversation because I think you guys have a lot of questions and thoughts on the text line. I want to make sure we get to them. Um, but let's go ahead and take a time out. When we come back, we'll finish up this conversation as well as dive into some sweet things by Marcy because it is a Tuesday. Woo-hoo! So guess what? We get to eat food and you guys get to hear what we're eating. That's not 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 weird. not physically, but you, you can we'll, we'll see tell it. you. You can see it if you go to the Sarder Heyman Jewelers live video stream, yeah. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. So we'll we'll do all that coming up next. Uh, you're listening to the Happy Hour on the Ticket. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. dot 